Well, hello and welcome to episode number 454 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I am Carlos, and in this week's show, we take a deep dive look at the new BA safety video, with which Nev has got some pretty good comments for. Uh, Emirates goes all robotic, and the Queen of the Skies returns to the UK. Oh, yes. In the military news this week, we take a look at the Sudan and what's going on there. And also, uh, we have a look at the number of aircraft that have also been uh, destroyed over in the Sudan. And joining me, as always, every week, well, nearly always every week, apart from when he's having a cheeky little night off. <laughs> I am allowed them, you know. I know. It I is, of the course, paperwork and everything, yeah. <laughs> it is, of course, uh, the... Uh, the master of all things, slidey, <laughs> twisty, and, well... Technical. We'll go technical. with technical, yeah. That's me. <laughs> Absolutely. Hello, hello. I was a bit worried there for a little while, Carlos. I thought it was just going to be you and me at one I point. I know, I <laughs> know. It, it, I mean, I know but the social media did say that uh, Captain Al was joining us, but unfortunately Captain Al's had to, had to, do, to move away swiftly. He's, going to, uh, he's got some bits and pieces to do, so he yeah. couldn't join us tonight. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's, uh, we've got, we have got a super sub, though. We've got we a have. Super but uh, yeah how how are things with you Matt across the village there all good yeah not really much to report been a funny old week work wise Um, lots of radio as well in between Um, yeah just been sort of like I I went out last night on a school night that was brave of me wasn't it yeah, <laughs> going out in the school night. I know. I, know. I don't do this on a school night. No, either. no, I can imagine no. absolutely. But you've had quite a week as well, haven't you? You did some miles. I know. I I I dread to work it out. I think if I if I did work out between Monday and um, uh, yesterday, I think I probably this week have topped in with the miles to travel to work and back. I'm probably not far off a thousand miles this week. Wow, wow, that's a big yeah. number. Yeah, uh, Lee Davies has said in the chat room, by the way, just saying the intro needs updating. Carlos looks young in it. <laughs> oh, thanks, Lee. Um, where's my thing here? Yeah. Blue, he's busy wielding the blue spanner of death now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, put him on a two minute report. I can report him. Oh, that's good. Don't no, no. Let's not take things personally. <laughs> Goodness me! No, I had a really good week. Uh, really good week, actually. I, mm. I, went, I was up in Edinburgh for business, and obviously, as uh, those who listened to the show last week will know, me and Nev got our heads together last week, and we thought, well, being as Nev was working in Edinburgh as well the last few days, and I was in Edinburgh the last few days, we thought we'd take a trip over to the National Museum of Flight in Scotland, which is just outside Edinburgh, uh, East Fortune, and. Um, <laughs> It's safe to say the, uh, the the team there, all the team, all the staff, absolutely pr- really pulled out all the stops from here, Nev. We had a lovely cup of coffee when we got there to warm us up because it was a little bit chilly there on the site. And uh, we had a great chat with uh, the museum curator, Ian, who uh, gave us a great talk on uh, the museum and what's, what goes on there. We had a good walk around all the exhibits. Um, they've got a really, really, really good static display outside. And also, um, they've also got uh, one of the BA's Concords in the hangar there. And, I, and Matt, honestly, if you saw the Concorde, you would literally think, it came off the production line um, like this week. It is pristine. Proper pristine, eh? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we got uh, access on board that, just me and Nev. Oh, all, lovely. Like, all inside the Concorde. Was it closed then, is it closed then normally, or just like... Uh, they have kind of sort of viewing times when they allow people on, but um, 
you know, we, we kind of sort of... I'll tell you what, I bet that... Brought, uh, I bet that... Did you manage to do some filming in there? We done. We filmed in the Concorde. We also done some mm. filming in one of uh, Britain's most uh, venerable <clears throat> commercial aviation jets, which was the, mm. obviously the Comet. Ah, uh, yes, of course, yeah. Comet, which is there. We went on board the Comet, and uh, also uh, we went on board the BAC-111, which is behind me here on the green screen. <clears throat> nice. Uh, Lothian Region, one of BA's uh, BAC-111s, yeah. and uh, we've done some filming on there. But that's coming up later on in the show. Which oh, is lovely. Great. So, yeah. yeah. Actually, time. I, I, I guess I say with Concorde, obviously, because A, it's such a really special aircraft, isn't it? And especially to see one in sort of like mint condition. Nev is one of the few people, obviously, who's been lucky enough to, to fly on it. And I bet that brought back some serious memories for him. Yeah, it did, actually. Nev was saying that he... Um, because another thing as well to point out is that the, uh, the Concorde they have there, the interior is exactly how it, it came from BA. There, really? There's no mucking about it. There's no weird stuff being added or, you know, it is as yeah, yeah. it was when it flew with BA. And um, never saying that he didn't, he didn't, he for, he'd forgotten just how blinking small it is inside Concorde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very yeah. small. It's, it's narrow, isn't it? That's the thing. It's sort of a lot narrower than you sort of Yeah, think. the seats are not that huge either, mm. but um, yeah. we've done some good filming in there, so that's yeah. all coming up on uh, future shows. So that's Lovely. all good. Lovely. And we are we are bringing something, as you say, from uh, your visit yeah, this week. Visit. Nev, bless him, has been never editing like a mad thing. He and we've, has, got, yeah. um, we've got a lovely little interview, I think, to share shortly. Yeah, with the, the uh, BAC-111, so that's Lovely. coming up. But, as I said, we have got a super sub... Uh, guest host joining us this evening and he's a very good friend of the show he's been on the show a number of times and he also was uh, one of the uh, people who put put together a very special show not so long ago all about uh, corporate oh, yes. flying yeah, yeah. so welcome back on to the show it's great to have him back on the show welcome to Stephen Ivey Hey guys, glad I could uh, fill in for Al this evening. <laughs> glad, um, I don't know if the wind blew him away, but I'm uh, glad I could be here for her. <laughs> Appreciate that. Appreciate that. It's always good to be able to get a, a sort of like a pilot's uh, uh, perspective on things. And of course, we're, you're in a quite a unique position actually because you've been in two parts of the cockpit, if you like. You've been at the front end, like the business end, for want of a better word, and also um, you've done your fair share of uh, cabin crew as well. So it's uh, it's yes. a one stop shop. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Stop shot. Yeah, yeah. We just need you to become a, an engineer now, and yeah, we're well, not yes. he's halfway there. I I don't know <laughs> if I have the uh, uh, the brain power to be able to be an engineer on an aircraft. I was going to say time. To be I was going to say the time. Steve. Yeah, all the time. That too. Yeah, yeah. especially like because obviously since since you and I last spoke, of course, um, you've got a little addition to the family. <laughs> Yes, I do. I, do. I, I um, me and my wife, uh, we, we have a uh, son now, uh, Maverick. He's uh, that is such month. a cool name. That is such yeah. a cool name. Yeah, he's. Um, I do have a just, question about that. Yeah, yes. how did you get that through? <laughs> That's what I want to know. How did it you was, manage to get the wife to agree to that? It, it, it was literally a thirty-second conversation. She's like, "Oh yes, that's really sweet. I like that." So. Oh wow. Yeah, I love it was that. really easy. I love that. Yeah. And, and just, just, just for the record, no, we did not name him after the movie. This was <laughs> decided before the movie came out. Oh, so yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. to clear, clear that. <laughs> Absolutely. But how, but how are things going? How are you finding it? 
Um, Being a dad, I mean, it's yeah, I can't, I can't think of anything worse personally, but you know, each their own. <laughs> it, it, it's it's challenging. Um, yeah. You know, they they just appear, and there's <laughs> no instruction manual. There's no QRH. No, it's no, just no. they are there, yeah. and you just yeah. learn what they need and yeah. go from there. No, and, no uh, QR code to scan with a manual. Nothing like that. No, <laughs> no, no. There was there's nothing and. Thankfully, there's lots of YouTube videos and plenty oh, of people that have had kids before. So you just learn as you go. Lovely. Yeah, absolutely. That's what grandparents are for, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. Absolutely. Perhaps that's what they need to introduce a QRH for having babies, Steve. And that's what you need to have. Right. Just that's quickly. a good idea. Good, good exit strategy. I, I might need to make a note and work on that. Absolutely, you're making or, a or do, or, or do you think do you think a handy thing, Steve, will be an ACAR system for having a baby? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe, or yeah, that could work too, I guess. I'm I'm, already, I'm now lost. I'm just pretty <laughs> like, what, what on earth are you talking about? Uh, <clears throat> this is the trouble. Uh, oh, it's no, it's, thanks for coming on, Steve, and it's great oh, to yeah, you're on as always. Um, yeah. Loads to chat about. We've got loads to chat about today, actually. Um, Going to make a quick note, actually. I didn't put this in the show notes, but I did mention it to Nev uh, when we were away uh, this week in Edinburgh. But I, I actually got the chance to sit and watch the new Gerard Butler film, The Plane. Oh, week. no. Oh, how, how, how awful was it? Oh, do you know what? I'm just going to say this, okay? I watched it because it got an aircraft in. And that's, right. Is, and that, Gerard, is that literally all it takes to entice you to watch a Gerard film? Gerard Butler, he's, he's, pretty, you know, he's pretty damn cool when he's yeah, in Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hardcore is the word. Yeah. But honestly, if you want to sit like I did with my wife Gemma shouting at me to shut the up, because I was making so many comments on the film, <laughs> and feel free to watch, because it is, I mean, the, the, the first bit of the film that let me down was really early on, the first half right. an hour of the film, was when they um, decided to do a fuel dump on an MD-83. I don't, I don't, don't believe that's possible, a, is a, it? A, a what now? <laughs> Exactly. I mean, even Matt knows you, that, that they don't have the capability to do a few. I mean, work. I'd like to say that, that I, I say yes, I knew that, but I, I the, the absolutely film, the don't. film was littered with just t tons of inconsistency. And do you know what really annoys me, and this really grinds my gears. And you've probably heard yeah. that before on a very on a program on a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what uh, grinds family, your gears was that? Life. Did you say sorry? <laughs> um, is that? Or there's, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of aviation enthusiasts who have the knowledge of, and pilots who have the knowledge of aircraft. Why the hell can't these filmmakers ring these guys up and say, we're going to do a film that involves this particular aircraft. What, what, what do we and don't we do? Well, well you know, what, what's funny about that, Carlos, there's a guy on Instagram, I believe his handle is Combat Learjet. And um, he actually was an advisor on that movie and what? helped. He was. He was an advisor on the movie and gave Gerard Butler instructions and stuff on how to be the pilot and everything. So I don't know how much influence he had, but judging by what you said, he didn't have enough of it. But Sounds like zero. But it's yeah. it's, I mean, but he, it's such a rare thing for these, these days, though, because they normally go to such lengths because they know that people have access to much more data than they used to. Do you know what I mean? So it doesn't, even if you're vaguely keen on aviation, you're going to know, you know, stuff like what you guys are talking about. 
Yeah, and I'll give you another example. Um, that movie on Amazon Prime, I don't know if y'all got in the UK, but it was on a wing and a prayer. It's about a um Oh, but don't oh don't get me started. I, I you know, I, I didn't I didn't realize how bad it was another day. It's like, oh let's watch this, it'll be cool. And like twenty minutes in, I'm like yeah, we we get we, yeah. we got to watch something else. Yeah, I turned, yeah, yeah. I turned yeah. off. I turned off at, at, at it, about twenty minutes. But but here's what's worse though. I've been to the Sarasota Airport, and then the airport they filmed at is actually Fulton County Airport in Atlanta. I'm like, there's Six Flags, there's Signature, um, there's the old tower. It, it's just like I'm I was picking it apart, and then I won't even go into everything. It's else. It's just it was awful. It's just it's awful. awful. Indeed. Can I can I be very self indulgent and go back to what we were talking about a moment? Yeah. Oh, I, uh, we're, sorry. Yeah. No. 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 Absolutely. No. No. Uh, um. It's just that Stephen's very kindly sent me a couple of very very cute pictures. So for all of you who are listening uh, via the YouTube at the moment, if you are watching, uh, if you're listening on the audio version, pop yourself onto a YouTube. You can have a look. Here we go. Here's Maverick. Look. Oh, look at that. Now, I ha again, I have many questions. I wish I could curl up on a seat like that. And I mean, it's, it's essentially at this stage, every seat is is premium economy That's or business, isn't it? Well, that yeah. is an aircraft seat. That is so comfy. I'm so jealous. Yeah, that, that was his first flight last week. So no way. Uh, this yeah. is very cool. Living up to the name Maverick, I think, in, in this one. So thank you. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Thank you, Stephen. I love that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so cute. So cute. Uh, seat 1A, Richard Adams is asking. They're always on point this lot, aren't they? <laughs> well, well, Ma Maverick's always going to be able to get to sit in seat, well, more than seat 1A, because he'll be able to... Uh, Sit in the, on the flight deck with his dad. I was really worried where you were going with that for a moment. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, sure. He'll be, he'll okay. be royalty. He'll be well, royalty. of course, absolutely. It goes, goes without saying. goes without saying. <laughs> anyway, we must, we must move on. We've got loads to get through. So this week, obviously, we're going to start the show. We've, uh, we've got some news coming up, but we are going to have a look at the new BA safety video. Now, those of you will know that um, we touched on this slightly last week, and we were going to discuss it this week on the show. Unfortunately, Nev can't be here here but uh, what we're going to do we're going to play the new BA safety video and then we have got some comments from Nev which he's uh, recorded and sent us in mm. but um, we all have some very strong opinions on the video and yeah. I know that we have had some uh, emails from listeners who have said that yeah. they are not entirely happy with how the safety bear this in mind it's, it's a, a safety, safety video, video. Yeah, absolutely how it's come across now we've all seen the air new zealand videos that have been yeah. produced in the past which are more like a theatrical presentation yeah but if you're ready matt yeah i'll tell you we'll watch this and then we'll hear we'll hear nev's comments uh, straight yeah. after so uh here we go buckle Sit up people your opportunity to, to watch <clears throat> the video and then chat room please we want you to go we want you to get proper involved we want to hear all about what you think about this video here we go Archie, shut up. Oh, no! Okay, people, eyes this way. Lovely weather for it today. We will now demonstrate the safety features of this aircraft. Your attention is essential, as this may differ from any aircraft you have flown on before. What? Of course, our attention is not what it used to be. Smoking, vaping, and the use of e-cigarettes is not permitted anywhere whilst on board. Including the toilets, which have smoke detectors in them. I'm going to put my seatbelt on. 
I had a banana. Personal devices should have their flight safe mode enabled now. We're taking off, Mum. I love you. Handheld devices must be held securely or placed into a pocket. Larger devices, including laptops, must be switched off and placed in your luggage for takeoff and landing. I wasn't feeling that story anyway. Please unplug your devices from the socket. They must also be switched off and unplugged when not being used during the flight. If you lose your device within the seat, please don't move the seat yourself. Ask a member of the crew for some help. Hand baggage must be placed securely under the seat in front of you. Or carefully above in an overhead locker, so it doesn't block any aisles or exits. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Please check your seatbelt is fastened securely and warn whenever the signs are on. You know what this needs? Belt. It is fastened and adjusted like this and opened like this. If you're sitting in one of our first or club world seats with a shoulder strap, please ensure that this is also attached for takeoff and landing. It is adjusted like this and opened like this. For your comfort and safety, we recommend that you keep your seatbelt fastened and visible at all times. If the cabin air supply fails, oxygen will be provided. A mask will appear automatically. If you're wearing a face mask, please remove it before putting on the oxygen mask. Stay in your seat, pull the oxygen mask towards you and place it over your mouth and nose and breathe normally, adjusting the band to secure it. Please note the bag may not inflate. You may need to pull on a coloured streamer to release your mask. Ensure your own mask is fitted before helping anyone else. Your life jacket is underneath or beside your seat. If required, remove the jacket from its container and pull it over your head. Pass the long strap around your waist, secure the clip to the buckle and pull tight. To inflate, pull the red toggle. The air can be topped up by using this mouthpiece. There is a light for attracting attention. And who doesn't love attention? Excuse me, love. No worries. Please do not inflate your life jacket until you are outside the aircraft. <laughs> yeah, trust. Should we need to evacuate, move quickly to the nearest usable exit. Taking nothing with you. Low-level lighting will guide you to an exit. All exits are clearly marked and are being pointed out to you now. Please locate your nearest exit. Remember, it may be behind you. Opening the doors automatically inflates the evacuation slides. Oh, high-heeled shoes must be taken off as they may tear the slide. The club suite door must be secured open for taxi, takeoff and landing. Please note the red handle in the club suite is for emergency use only. In the unlikely event of an emergency, please refer to the instructions inside your seat area. Please now check your seat is in the takeoff position with the armrest down. Your table folded away. Personal devices unplugged. Our window blinds are open or set to clear. If you have a footstool or a video screen, please store these now. All this important information can be found on your safety card in your seat area. This includes brace positions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the brace position. If your seat is fitted with a shoulder strap, you must adopt this position. Please have a good look at your safety card before we depart. And if you have any questions, just ask your cabin crew. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your attention. We hope you have a pleasant flight.
And wherever you go. Whoever you see. <laughs> stay safe. Look after each other. Keep you again. And never change. <laughs> safe. Yeah, Mr. Safe right here. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. Sorry that I'm not on the show uh, today due to Mrs. Nev having an operation. So by the time you see this, I probably would have picked her up from the hospital and she'd be sleeping it all off, I would imagine, back at home. So I've got to look after her today. Um, so firstly, absolutely brilliant time at the National Museum of Flight this week with Carlos. Um, and you'll be seeing some footage over the coming weeks of that and uh, just brilliant and Ian Brown the curator couldn't have been nicer really really accommodating we've got some great interviews with him uh, later on in the next uh, couple of months as well so that'll be great to show you um, but of course it's all about the BA uh, safety demo video isn't it the new one well there's a lot I can say about it as you can imagine um, my I've got sort of three, just two or three thoughts, really. If you think about the production of it, I mean, it's very good, but it's a safety critical item. It's not entertainment. And when you start doing this fast cutting business that they do on a small screen that hangs down from the, uh, the roof of an A320 or um, a slightly bigger, higher resolution one, if you're in the, one of the club suites in the larger aircraft, it's really in your face. And I, I don't understand why they've shot it like that at all. It's just too much, I think. The second thing is, if English is not your first language, then you're going to struggle with this, definitely, because there are lots of, um, although there are a lot of regional accents in there, which is great, no, no criticism about that at all, but they've just got to slow it all down a bit. I keep saying this, whether it's uh, ATC stuff that I listen to sometimes or, or whatever it is, if you're going to appeal to an international audience, slow it down for goodness sake. But also, if you're going to do it like that, make sure you've got subtitles available in people's uh, local language. Now, obviously, they can't do it for everybody, but perhaps uh, six or seven different languages um, might be an idea. Um, but to actually run this as it is, bearing in mind if something goes wrong during the takeoff roll or during the landing roll or if there's an aircraft depressurization, you'll want to know about this stuff. You know, this is safety critical stuff, as I've mentioned. Um, and, you know, the crew need the passengers to be compliant. And if they're being shown what I consider to be entertainment, I don't think that's the right thing at all. I, I think it, it sends out completely the wrong message. And there's no doubt about it. Why not make it boring? Why not do a manual safety demonstration? I know it's boring, but it's very effective. And also it gives the crew a chance to actually interact with the passengers. And I have seen it on a few occasions where they've said, would you mind putting your newspaper down or your iPad away so you can pay attention to uh, my safety demo, uh, that kind of stuff. You can't do that with a video. Um, there's no interactivity. It's one way traffic only. Um, I've got a lot more to say on the subject, but uh, for the sake of legality and decency, uh, I shall not say any more. But uh, those are my sort of two or three initial thoughts of what I've 
uh, scene. Uh, when I came back from Edinburgh today, they have not started using it yet. I think it's going to be at the beginning of May, so I've just missed it. So Mrs Nev and I, when we go to Portugal on the 18th of May, we'll probably see it. And uh, I shall then do another review about how it actually goes down with the passengers. But uh, there we go. That's my thoughts. So sorry if I'm not on the uh, show tonight, folks, but uh, it's one of those nights where it's all happening at the same time. So, uh, But I shall return the next week and I shall leave you in the capable hands of my chums. So back to the studio. Thank you, Nev. Uh, now, um, no two ways about it, loads of comments in the chat room. I'm going to whiz uh, through some of those first, if that's okay with you guys. Let's get those started before I come to you um, with your comments on this. So we'll start with uh, Alex Robinson. He's saying, I feel for any pilots having to do a short taxi to the runway. Um, UH Blackhawk is saying, uh, so we'll arrive before the video is over then. Uh, which is probably true. Uh, Richard Adam is saying, what a waste of money when the crew could have done the traditional demo literally in half the time. I think that's a, a really, really key po point on that one. Dirk S is saying, uh, Cabin, are you ready? 10 minutes. <laughs> And <laughs> I don't think that's long enough, uh, is the reality. Pip uh, is just come straight to the point. He hates it. Uh, UH Blackhawk is back with Southwest Airlines uh, would take off before this is over. Um, and uh, he's saying this part of the safety... Uh, Alex Robbins is saying this part of the safety uh, video is weirdly specific to this podcast. Probably true. We'll gloss over that and move on. Uh, Captain Cruz is saying not worse than most other safety demos Honestly, they're usually 90% uh, crap. Uh, uh, Richard Adams is also saying it may sound posh, but RP English spoken slowly would be best for a safety video. A vast proportion of BA's customers probably, uh, you know, won't necessarily speak, you know, English as their first language, which is what Nev was saying. And then uh, Lee Davies is saying that, uh, well said, totally agree, Nev. Now, I'm in, I'm going to be slightly controversial here i know i no. know i know it's shocking isn't it i have to say i kind of don't mind it but then i guess i'm in the you know looking at it purely from self uh, from a selfish perspective uh i found it quite interesting that it was all broken up and not in an airplane i know it's you know a safety critical video and i do completely get that um my only real major issue for, uh, which is kind of what um, Nev was kind of alluding to here. Bearing in mind, we've all just sat down and watched that on probably quite a decent-sized screen in comparison to the screen you're most likely going to watch that video on inside the aircraft. Um, I know there are some overhead um, screens that, that do sort of pop down, but most of us, let's be honest, will be watching it on that tiny little you know, monitor, if you like, that's in the headrest that's directly in front of you. Um, and as Nev also said, the camera work is very, very shaky. I know that's the modern style. Um, but again, you know, so there's lots of little things. I, as I, in the main, actually, I, w I really didn't mind it that much. But the the shaky cam the, the shaky camera thing you know or the the, the non steady cam if you like was one thing that I had uh, was weirdly my biggest issue with it uh, given the fact that it's going to be watched on a small screen um, you know um, 
and it needs to be especially when they're demonstrating things like the life belt and the life jackets and the seat belts and all that kind of thing you know it needs to be steady it needs to be sharp and there needs to be good um close-ups and things like that and there is in my honest opinion no uh you know there's no better person to demonstrate that to you than a live demo in the aisle not a million miles away from where you're sat so that's my 10 penneth <laughs> subtitles uh bill is suggesting might might go down quite well that's quite a good idea actually uh, no, carlos just, we'll go we'll go to you what, what what's you what how do you feel about it it's too it's too long it's way too long right and, and I, I get the idea of having uh, well, I say people who are famous. I mean, I, mm. I think I spotted two people on that video who I actually knew. Um, it, it gets people's attention. Don't get me wrong. People obviously look at the screens and watch it because, you know, it's something different. Mm. But I just think the main parts, the main safety aspect parts are lost because it's just so mm. flipping long. And actually, I will, I'll, I'll give you one thing, actually, Carlos, because while we were watching this, obviously we were chatting amongst ourselves while we were watching the video. And while I'm watching the video, uh, uh, one went, ooh, the new Doctor. And you think, the minute that I go, ooh, the new Doctor, you've like lost my concentration, you've lost my focus on this safety-critical thing. Also, I don't, you know, what we, we need to remember as well is that this, this is being produced for safety um, purposes, yeah. purposes for, for, an, for an aircraft, for an aircraft, yeah, yeah. Okay? which is what BA fly, you know, 777s, <clears throat> A380s, uh, 320s, you know, um, 787s, A350s, loads of different aircraft, styles and types of aircraft, A390, they're all different. They're all different. Mm. All have different features and functions and how things operate and work. And here's my safety video. This is a pint glass. You drink from it like this. This is a clothes peg. You hang your washing on a washing line and, and hold it on. Simple as that. There we go. That's my safety video. Now, if they could have done things a bit more like that and made things just just plain and simple and show and for one thing, show them on an aircraft. You know, I don't need to know how to put a seatbelt on in a uh, a men's um, suit fitting. Um, shop true yeah okay uh, but there we go so, so so your your argument is that it's sort of detracting from from the message it's essentially too much waffle too much nonsense they could have just done a simple safety briefing video but anyway Stephen Ivy, our resident uh, yeah. ex-cabin crew and commercial pilot and bizjet pilot as well not forgetting that as well your thoughts on the video please well so how long was the video uh, just just under five minutes. Just uh, no, just, just over five, five minutes. Just over. Just five over minutes. five minutes. Yeah. Okay, I get to the runway in about three minutes most of the time when I'm taxiing. So, <laughs> but there's that part. But um, you know, as ex cabin crew, it's great that you don't have to do the demo. Um, but I like what Carlos said, and it's like you didn't really spend a lot of time on the actual aircraft explaining the safety features. Um, a matter of fact, it was like a broad um, explanation of all the aircraft it wasn't specific to the one you're on if you uh delta's most recent safety video which is three minutes and 55 seconds long it's the same video but in the middle depending on which aircraft you're on they specify the specific safety features of that airplane showing mm -hmm. you where the exits are and everything and then not only that the editing <laughs> there's a lot of editing like it was 
Oh, like the jumping back and forth was Busy. driving me up the wall. It's like, yeah. it's, Very I don't know busy. who did that, but it's bad. Mm. But also the one thing, um, I guess it was the guy with the suit. Um, I guess he was saying something about if you need attention and who doesn't like attention. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I don't think we want people that want attention on an airplane. We want them to be calm. We don't want, we don't want to make the news. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's, it, it's an attempt at humor, isn't it? But of course, actually it's so easily putting out the wrong message. It, it, it is. It is. Um, and then, I, you know, the comments about having subtitles and stuff. Um, I don't know if their entertainment screens do it, but um, I know Delta's, depending on where your destination is at, it'll have subtitles in the local language or whatever the predominant language is there. So the actual uh, entertainment system might do that once they upload the video to the system. So that's possible to cover mm. that aspect of it. But, um, you know, I'm not from England, and I understood most of what was being said. The accents were a little sharp, but um, so was mine sometimes. So, mm. but, yeah, the, yeah, but that's the thing, isn't it? I suppose this is this is the uh, and while you say regional, as Nev said, regional accents are absolutely fine. You know, there's nobody who speaks perfect English. Do you know what I mean? There's nobody who has the the ultimate like sort of English accent, if you like, that can be easily listened to uh, and understood by everyone. There, there, there's no such thing. But throwing um, complicated regional accents into something that's safety critical for somebody whose, lang whose first language isn't necessarily English, that's could that potentially be seen as a, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm so worried sometimes with these that we're going to end up with a, an incident of some description where um they say oh well i missed that bit in the safety video do you, do you know what i mean that's the it, bit that, it, that worries me so much it, about it yeah. i don't think i don't think it'll change if you like that's the harsh reality i don't think it'll change until something happens so you know i i think we would probably all like to see a study that you have people board a plane up watch the safety video do the flight, get to where you're going, and get them to do a survey that says, oh, I watched the safety video. Oh, you did? Well, please point out what you saw there Yeah. and actually see how effective they are because, um, yeah. I mean, for people like me, I've, I have I travel every week to go to work and everything. I, I mean, I pay attention, but I'm not, like, super laser-focused because yeah. chances are I've been on the airplane before. I know where it is, and I fly the same airline on a regular basis. Yeah. But for those that are irregular travelers... You know, it would be good to know how much they actually pay well, attention. I, and to and also, pe people like me, you know, that's the thing. I mean, I go on an aeroplane once in a blue moon. I don't do anywhere near as much flying as even Carlos. You know, I, I do very little flying. In fact, this year is going to be very weird because I'm going to get on an aeroplane twice. And I don't know when that has ever happened in my, literally in my life. So, and it's two, uh, it's two different airlines on both occasions. And I will be very much like sort of trying to focus on the safety video because it's been so long since I've been on an aeroplane. I mean, I think it was 2017, whenever it was that I went to New York with um, with uh, Owen, I think. I, like, like a really long time ago, like that I did. Oh, actually, no, that's not true. I did do an EasyJet um, a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it's I'm, I travel on them so infrequently that I need to watch the safety video to remind myself what I have to do. Yeah, Gemma, funnily enough, Gemma asked me last night when we were, we were talking about this, funnily enough, mm. and she said to me, she said, do, do, when you're on the aircraft, do you do you bother to watch the safety brief, even though you've been on the aircraft? And I, and I yeah, said, yeah, I do. I always still, mm. I always still 
put down or would stop whatever I'm doing to, to focus on what the cabin crew is showing me in the demonstration. I always have done and I always will do, regardless of whether I've flown on Ryanair 737-800 a million times. Mm -hmm. I'll still watch the safety brief because not only is it, you know, obviously it's, you know, you might, there might be something that's changed since I last flew on the aircraft, but also it's common courtesy. Mm. You know, they're 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 there doing what they do, it, it, which is you know, in to make sure we're all safe on board the aircraft. So indeed. Anyway, we could keep talking on and on about it. We are we are massively running over. Yeah, we, um, we are. So we are we are going right. to need to get stuck into the commercial. Break. Thank <laughs> you so are. much for getting involved, guys. Really appreciate that. Uh, some great feedback there, and uh, I think we're all sort of more or less in agreement that uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it's, it's not it's ideal. Poo. No, we'll there say we we'll, we'll just say it's not ideal, and that way yes. we won't get sued, yes. Carlos. Yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> it's lovely. It's glorious. Okay. I love it. Come on, then. It made my week. Anyway. If everybody's ready, then should we do some commercial oh, stuff? Oh, let's yeah. do some commercial <laughs> news. Yes. So our first look at some commercial news this week comes from Flight Global. Good news this week if you're a fan of the 747, the Queen of the Skies, and if you live in the UK because uh, a start-up freighter uh, carrier called One Air is set to become the UK's sole operator of the 747s. UK start-up One Air has been granted an Air Operator Certificate or an AOC from the Civil Aviation Authority on the 24th of April this year, clearing the way for the company to officially launch commercial flights, making it the only airline in the country with a 747 fleet. The freight carrier has dry leased an initial single Boeing 747-400SF or Special Conversion Freighter uh, Registration Golf Uniform November Echo Tango and aims to take a second by the end of the year with plans to evaluate other aircraft types. One Air calls London stands that it's home and is planning to operate cargo flights from the UK to Europe and the Middle East and Asia. The new cargo carrier is also planning on expanding to Chinese and US services at a later stage. One Air Chief Executive Paul Bennett said the carrier has sufficient financial resources to grow in line with the level of demand we see. One Air's first aircraft is a Pratt & Whitney PW4000 powered jet originally delivered to Air Canada in 1991 and the company has identified Chris Hope formerly with EasyJet and Flybe as their Chief Operating Officer. Uh, John Hartley as Chief Financial Officer and David Tattersall as Chief Technical Officer. The airline undertook approving flight back in July 2022 and has a workforce of 90 supporting operations, maintenance and training and some 40 pilots. Bennett is linked with cargo chartering specialist Air One Aviation, which took a 49% share in Air One when the carrier was established back in 2021. The pandemic highlighted the important role of freighter services in supporting the UK's economy and the public, says Bennett. One Air believes it has the opportunity to leverage long-standing business relationships with freight forwarders, logistical providers and charter brokers serving the UK market. Now, 
we obviously know that Stansted is quite a hub in the UK here for uh, for cargo. There's a lot of cargo mm. goes through Stansted. A lot of cargo goes yeah. through Stansted. And uh, I tell you what, for these guys to sort of drop in there with all the big players, you know, like with uh, DHL and FedEx and all the ones who, who yeah. fly in and out, um, you know, good luck to them, I say. It's good to see a UK-owned um, operator um, doing this in the UK and obviously mm -hmm. one that's going to utilize some of these 747s and let's not forget as well with obviously the passenger variants being retired mm. I'd imagine there's a few pilots out there who can fly these who are um, quite happy well yeah absolutely it's, I mean it should be an interesting should be an interesting project is the marketplace too congested though perhaps or do you think there is room I think there's room I, I you know we, we've reported on the show a number of times that the the cargo market aviation market is big mm. it's big business i mean i know Stephen over in the u.s you know you've got some big players out there and i think cargo is cargo's king uh, over in the u.s yeah uh, you know it it definitely was during covid there was obviously there was a need to get stuff where there is um, i think here more recently um i think fedex and ups are kind of tapering back i know fedex is closing a couple of pilot bases and stuff and they're parking airplanes, but um, there's definitely a need for air cargo um, either way. It's not like they're going to park everything. They're just getting rid of older equipment and kind of growing the fleet by replacing the older aircraft. But, you know, for I think the UK in particular, I, I think when y'all were trying to repatriate people back during COVID, y'all didn't necessarily have large enough aircraft to go the distance to get people back to where they needed to. So... Mm having the flexibility of having a large aircraft like a 7-4 to go pick people up out of places or to move large cargo items. Um, like if, for instance, if you had a power plant that um, lost a turbine shaft, you can't necessarily just go pick one of those up at your local store. No. But if some somebody in you know Africa has got one that happens they don't need it anymore, you can send the 7-4 down there, load it up and bring it back. Yeah, true, true, oh. yeah, very true. I mean, do you think some of these um, these uh, commercial, like you know, passenger variants of the seven four might get converted? Perhaps if this is a there's plenty of them. Yeah, well, yeah, no, there is plenty of them. But I mean, do you, sitting uh, over in a desert. Yeah, indeed. Or, or are there enough of the seven fours sitting around that are already converted? If you like to to sort of satisfy the need because I mean uh, although we've seen like the 7-4 and I know we've had this conversation before but I know we've seen the uh, the 7-4 like disappear virtually from you know uh, commercial um, passenger ops of course that is not the case um, with cargo with cargo I mean it's still very much the yeah. the airplane of choice for, for moving around big stuff also I, I suppose we mustn't forget of course the um, that virtually all um, commercial jets that are flying around have usually got some form of cargo in the hold these days. Yeah, yeah. There's yep. a lot of commercial airliners have make up quite a bit of their revenue, actually, with um, carrying mm. cargo. Um, right. That, which is why, if you remember, if you see the BA, um, like this BAC-11 behind me here, even this mm. one, um, has the Royal Mail logo on, because not so much now, I think, but back in the sort of late 80s, early 90s, <laughs> BA used to carry near enough all of the, the Royal Mail, Mail yeah. um, parcel stuff across to other countries. Yeah, I bet. Uh, 
Yeah. yeah. So we're going to move on to the next story, and uh, we all love a bit of a subscription, a <laughs> bit of a program with airlines. You know, Nev loves his Avios points with BA. Of course. But uh, another airline is starting their own one. Yeah, this one took me a little bit by surprise, to be honest with you. Uh, it's from several sources. It's uh, uh, rusttourismnews.com. We've got skift.com and also Travel Pulse are our sources on this one. And the headline is Wizz Air launches... Flight subscription program. Low-cost airline Wizz Air has launched a new flight subscription program called Multipast, partnering with Caravello, a company that builds subscription platforms for airlines. The program will initially run for six months, offering flights for passengers on domestic routes in Italy and international routes to and from Poland. Subscribers can choose from four different plan options, paying a fixed monthly fee for either one-way or return trips each month. They can also customise their plan with additional services. The programme is set to launch on the 5th of May this year. Uh, those who purchase a subscription can book a flight when they when the subscription starts and take their first flight within five days. The programme will renew on the first day of every subsequent month for the sixth month duration. Passengers with a subscription will uh, with a subscription pass will also be able to purchase additional add-on services when booking a flight. This subscription program is similar to those offered by Alaska Airlines and Frontier Airlines, which Caravello also partnered with in the past. The airline is expecting this new subscription service to be great, to be a great opportunity ahead of the high summer season. They stated that subscribers don't need to monitor prices or plan far in advance to secure cheaper flights. Instead, it is easy to hop on a flight to attend an important business meeting or to take a spontaneous city break now forgive my um, misunderstanding here so is this subscriber so that you can basically guarantee cheaper flights with a particular airline and get discounted rates or is it that you're paying a subscription that you can then get like sort of um, like you can use against a flight so I think it depends on the airline that you're going to fly with. I was actually trying to look. So, like, Alaska, you've got different levels of the pass. So, yeah. um, like, the cheapest option is you have to book 14 days in advance, and then you can only use uh, six trips a year, and you can only do it every two months, and it's $50 a month. So, if you think about it, if you kind of travel semi-last minute, it's a really good deal. But if you are more of a business person, you know, they have another option where um, you can book it as little as two hours before the flight. And then if you're traveling a lot, you can do 24 trips a year, two round trips a month for $800. Wow. Okay. So it really, it's, you got to really figure out what you're planning on using it for. And then I think they mentioned Frontier. I didn't get a chance to look at them, but theirs kind of follows the same restrictions and stuff, but there's a little bit more expensive to where the for like one full year it's uh 1200 us dollars so if you're, so if you're you a, know, if you're a regular flyer then actually this is potentially something that could actually save you significant mon money you know you're, you're paying a regular fee but you what it, yes. what it does mean is that you can take your regular business flights at a short notice and still save big basically 
It, it, you, you could. I mean, and, and again, you're just going to have to really look at how much you're spending currently mm. on last minute tickets versus, yeah. you know, the the program. But, you know, I think Frontiers is you can fly anywhere in the U.S. Alaska is primarily the state of California and some other places on the West Coast. You can't use it to go coast to coast. It's only on the West Coast mm. flying. So I don't know if Wiz is that restriction, but. You know, that's something you got to really look at the restrictions on these plans before you sign up for them yeah. or you're just going to waste your money. Indeed, indeed. So not 100% sure if the Wizz Air plan, if you like, is going to follow this same model. But given that it's the same airline, it's the same company, if you like, that's involved in it. Um, yeah, it, potentially, as I say, if you're doing a lot of flying in those regions, and it does say, as I say, uh, that it's mainly sort of like internal routes in Italy and uh, international routes to and from Poland. Um, but yeah, I guess if you're doing a lot of flying in that area, and if it's successful, of course, there's every chance that they'll extend it you know, further out of their existing network yeah and, and you know too if you if you, it's a good thing for the airlines because you're having a you guaranteed a steady flow of income yeah from these people that subscribe to it so you can kind of you know um back budget. your books up a little bit yeah, as budget, yeah budget yeah, budget yeah, through yeah, the year for it and everything you and, it. and you'll always have that handful of people who paid for the subscription but Never. never use it yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. indeed because <laughs> none of us ever do that no yeah. no 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 but of course if you're in business you don't have that luxury necessarily of planning your trip you know months and months in advance you know well, well I'll, I'll give you a prime example which i mean i know it's not commercial but uh two days ago you know we were on call in texas we didn't have anything going on and then the company calls us like hey we need you to go to kansas city to go pick these people up so we just hopped up there, and sure enough, these people had a last-minute thing because their flight got canceled, and we just showed up at the last minute. Wow, okay. So it, there, yeah. there's a market for it for for my type of business, but you know, even if you randomly have a business trip you have to go on, you have access to it, you know, it's, it's mm. more cost-effective. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. So... Next story is for you, Stephen. Now I know, Stephen, you you love your uh, you you, you kind of like your Star Wars stuff. I think I do. Rightly, <laughs> I do. So we've got a bit of a robotic story, a bit of a kind of C three PO story. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. yeah. This is um, uh, Emirates reveals the world's first robotic check-in assistant, and this is from Simple Flying. Um, Emirates has launched the first robotic check-in assistant called Sarah to help passengers have a smooth travel experience. Located at the City Check-In and Travel Store in Dubai's Financial District, Sarah matches customers' faces with scanned passports, checks them in, and guides them to the luggage drop area. Emirates staff members and travel consultants are also available to assist customers with ticket acquisition, booking management, seat selection, and extra baggage arrangements. Passengers can drop off their luggage from 24 hours to 4 hours before a flight, book tickets, check in and relax in a complement a yeah. Yeah, contemporary space with complimentary access to select lifestyle facilities. The check-in mm. center also has paid valet parking, self-parking as well as transport conveniently located within 10-minute walking distance at the Financial Center Metro station. The CEO of ICD Bookfield expressed his excitement to be working with Emirates on this project, stating that it brings the convenience of city check-in to the central business district to allow passengers more time to go about their daily routine. 
Emirates' new check-in option is the first ultra-convenient check-in and baggage drop facility in Dubai's International Financial Center area, and the airline is committed to providing customers with an array of check-in options. The robotic check-in system is just one of the technology solutions that Emirates plans to offer in the future, and customers can conveniently book travel, check-in for flights, drop their off their baggage, and purchase travel essentials to save time at the airport with Emirates' latest city check-in and travel store. Um, so now that mostly check-ins online and everything, is it is there really a need for this? Now? Uh, yeah, Honestly, it's all right know. until it's all right, Matt, until you get the error four hundred four come up. Well, true, absolutely, because virtually all of these apps are usually web based, so you usually get a similar error message, as you say. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, you know me. I love my technology, and any excuse to like not. Um, like have to interact with a human sometimes is very much my way forward you know we all know my dislike of humans uh the 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 biggest issue for me here though is actually and i can't believe i'm saying this out loud but aviation is one of those few industries where actually i like that human interaction and one of the things i kind of dislike that we've moved away from with the low cost model that we're all now so used to is that sort of checking online and all that kind of thing i mean for example as you guys know i'm off to uh, gran canaria in just over so it's a week on tuesday basically and i'm off to gran canaria for a week i've actually been checked in for over a month to attend that flight which it just like <laughs> I mean, in some respects, that seems like completely bonkers that I've been literally checked in because and, and I was I was chatting to uh, 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 somebody who's used to sort of like, you know, obviously works in, in, in the aviation industry. And I was chatting to to him about it. And that's you've seen because uh, I sort of like as soon as I was able to check in, I did it straight away because I don't know, I feel like it's part of my holiday. And also, uh, I mean, we've all done that where we've been struggling to get a decent Internet connection in order for us to be able to get our boarding passes in order to come home we've managed to do it when we were at home to print it off and get it in the app and all that kind of thing so that that's handy being able to do it all in advance at home but i do miss going and having that interaction with somebody on the check-in desk and i love my technology but it does it does worry me that it is taking people's jobs away but let's not forget when they these when these things go wrong what do they need? Well, the problem is, is when things do go wrong, they don't have the staff to back it up. Well, then you need to go and get a job at Heathrow then, Matt. Right, okay. <laughs> what, what, what is tech, tech support? Is that what you're saying? Right, okay, yeah. But, but that's, that's kind of my point. Is, is like, is I, say, I do still feel like aviation is still one of those things where I love the low-cost model. It's the only reason I've been able to do a lot of the flying that I've been done, that, that, sorry, that I have done. But I, 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 it just makes me feel sad. Is everything all right there, Carlos? Because you're banging your microphone all over the shop. Sorry. I, I just... <laughs> all I can hear is bang, angry, wallop. Getting then, angry with it. Sorry. And then two seconds ago, you had like some kind of bulldog clip in your mouth. And you're trying to... <laughs> it's, just, what's... <laughs> it's all going horribly wrong in the Carlos studio for some reason. Stephen, um, but... what, 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 sorry, Stephen was going to say. What were you yeah. going to say? Uh, yeah, I, I was just going to say, I, I really feel like this is because it's Emirates. They're just trying to sell stuff. And not yeah. only that, um, it's in the financial district, which means it's more people that have money that are probably in, in business and they're just wanting to drop off stuff they maybe bought and it's to yeah. avoid having to deal with it at the airport. Um, 
I, I, I really don't see the logic behind yeah. it. I'm sure it's some money makes me. Now, that being said... Is it a gimmick, do you think? Is that? I, I think it's a gimmick. Yeah, okay, I, I yeah, think yeah. this is a gimmick for them. Alaska has recently created a permanent computer bag tag. So basically, if you're a frequent flyer, you can sign up for it, pay for this tag, and it's a digital bag tag that when you check in on your app, it'll update all of your information. You go to the airport, and if you have a check bag, you literally just take it over to the place that's checking in, set it on there, and it automatically just takes the bag for you. You don't have to talk to anybody. You just set it down, and it, and it goes goes to the plane. And it will, and it sits there. You can watch it on your phone where it's going through the airport because it's got that RFID and Bluetooth in it and everything else. So it's like, I think maybe that would be better than this because do you really need a computer to help you with that? And then the plus side with Alaska is they're pitching it as, well, we freed up more people to help you at the check-in because they're not touching your bag or having to help you with it. And if you need help, you can just walk over to them and talk to them instead of, you know, waiting for something to go wrong. You can just go to them if you need to. And if you don't want to talk to them, you can just go over, drop your bag off and go be about your business. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. Uh, I just, uh, I don't know. As you know, as I say, I, I love my technology, don't get me wrong, but I just... Yeah, I don't know. It makes, I think, it makes I, me feel a bit sad, if I'm honest. I feel, I feel a bit like, oh, really? I, I think as well, there's a, there's a bit of nostalgia. And when you go to a to a, a check-in desk at an airport, you know, it's it's part of the experience of going on holiday or, go, or you know, when you're going on an aircraft, is that initial walking through the front of the airport, going to the check-in desk, looking above to see your flight number and speaking to someone at the desk and having a bit of chat and stuff you know i i enjoy that part of my airport experience personally mm. yeah i agree yeah i agree so moving on to the next story matt's got some pictures of this as well this is this is actually over your neck of the woods uh Stephen. uh this is insider.com and the uh, story is all about uh, mark pankey a southwest airlines pilot who lives out of an aircraft catering truck hmm he converted it into a tiny home, and Panky is a former U.S. Air Force pilot who grew up in Louisiana after 20 years with the Air Force. And he retired as a lieutenant colonel in 2016 and got a job with Southwest as a commercial pilot, where he's been for the last seven years. He's no stranger to van life, having lived in one when he first started at the company, and the idea was to build a hangar-style home or buy an airplane and fly to work, he said. But in the meantime, he was living in an apartment complex next to his lot and commuting to airports in Denver and Los Angeles whenever he was scheduled for a flight. He kept the van in the airport parking lots and ended up sleeping in it to save hotel money when he went to work. Uh, this became an arrangement for the next couple of years. He said he'd seen the box trucks at work and thought how cool it would be to live in one or to build one out, he said. I was telling other pilots this and sometime later he sent me a text saying a whole bunch of them were being auctioned off in Seattle. Where's my invite? Uh, Panky ended up buying one of the former Southwest Airlines catering trucks for $3,300 in the auction. The vehicle comes with a scissor lift which is used to raise the box shaped cargo space uh, on its back to its level with the plane when being used. Uh, Panky said it's uh, uh, such uh, food items as beverages 
pictures, um, which obviously then, when it's being used for its proper purpose, can be loaded onto the aircraft with ease. One of the first things Panky did was to rebuild the roof. The truck originally came with a flat roof, but he said he wanted it with a slope so he can install solar panels. It took around a week for him to completely cover the truck's interior with spray foam installation, and he worked on his tiny home while it was parked outside of his Colorado apartment complex. And he built everything on his own, including the floors, the walls, and the cabinets. He estimates that he spent between 30 and $35,000 on the build, including the cost of buying the truck. Uh, the converted vehicle still retains the original side banner from its days as an airline catering truck with a, a cheeky logo uh, slogan that reads, The snacks are on me. <laughs> The scissor lift on the truck is still functional as well and can be raised to a maximum of 17 feet high, although Panky very rarely gets it up that high. He, uh, Panky uses or, uses the ra uh, or usually raises the scissor lift around five or six feet up when he's parked, just so that it's level with the front deck. Uh, it's easy to get in and out of the front deck that way when the box is down and he has to climb up to get out onto the deck where he can cook and eat. While being raised up in the air, it also gives him unblocked views of the surrounding areas and it also means that he needs to watch his step. Yeah. Matt's been popping the pictures up on the I screen. I mean, it does look amazing. And uh, do you know what? We have a program here in the in the in the UK uh, called Grand Designs, and it's mm. one of those programs where people sort of buy derelict buildings or buy mm. scrubland or buy weird and wonderful things to yeah, build. There's like, the houses. Thing, look. There's the sizzlers. And this is just such a great idea. Honestly, it's a great idea. I like this. I see. I I, I love. I actually really love this. I, I would absolutely live in a space like that if I had the money <laughs> to convert a van. He's even that. got a dartboard. I love it. He's got a dartboard. Got a, a far bigger shower than I've got at home, um, yeah. and all that. There's there's lots of things that I, I mean. Don't get me wrong. I love my creature comforts and stuff. So it would be the most teched out, pimped out like van that you, you'd ever <laughs> see. But I actually quite like this as an idea. I mean, it's just. I guess the problem now is like having somewhere to, you um, know, being able to park it on a regular basis <laughs> and know that you can do that and not get into trouble. You know. What do you think, Stephen? I I I think it's awesome. I I I had been trying to find a link to go back and see this this past week, and I'm glad y'all are covering it. I, I think it's awesome, and the amount of money he spent, he did a great job. I mean, he mm. actually put in some structural supports. He put in a bathroom, and you know, a holding tank and everything for the water. Um, I mean, he's obviously a hunter because it's just the way it's styled, I would guess. And yeah. if you think about it, if you're going to go hunting, you don't necessarily have to have a tree stand or anything or a blind because you yeah. just raise this up and wait for whatever you're hunting to come, to come by. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, I mean, I I have a um, rooftop tent, but this uh, this beats it by a mile. And that's yeah, so. definitely. Yeah, no, I love it. I, I, it's one of those things, it, and it is the. It's, it's one of those that it's like that would be my dry dream. Is like if I ever want any kind of serious money at all, the first thing I would do is buy a van. Do you know what I do, Carlos? I would buy What's a that? bus, believe it or not, and do yeah. the same thing. Yeah, to do a lot that. of people do that. Yeah, maybe. absolutely. I buy an old coach, and I tell you what, I'd have, I'd have given anything to buy my old coach uh, for the company I used to work for, old BT as I called it. And the number plate was five zero one nine BT, and I would have given anything to to buy that and convert that old van hall it was a van hall tell, with tell a, you what you'd save some money 
Well, I don't know. No council tax bills? Well, yes and no, because you've still got to have somewhere to park it and well, all that kind of thing. someone with a good driveway. Well, you'd you, 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 be surprised where you can find places to park things. Like, I, yeah. I guarantee you, he parks in the employee parking lot. Yeah. I guarantee you he puts it in there. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, actually, when I was... Where was that? Where was it? I think it was when I was based in Fresno. Someone had a uh, camper they left in the parking lot there, and the guy would commute in, sleep in the camper, then he'd go to work the next morning. Wow, love it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that's good. Yeah, there's, good there's, a, there's a good shout out for that. Right, now, well, Matt, yes. moving on to the next story. And uh, what's this? A, a, a Toyota Motor mm. Corporation. Indeed, interesting. Interesting. So it's from Flight Global. We haven't lost the plot completely. It's flightglobal.com is the source on this one. And the headline is Toyota and Joby Aviation deepen their partnership. So Toyota Motor Corporation has partnered with Joby Aviation to supply the aerospace company with powertrain and actuation components for its upcoming electrical vertical takeoff and landing. That's the EVOTOL, they say, uh, EVTO. L- aircraft vehicle takeoff and landing vehicle takeoff and landing ve- aircraft the components designed by Joby and manufactured by Toyota will be delivered to Joby's facility in San Carlos California before being integrated at the at its pilot production line in Marina so Toyota has already invested around 400 million pounds in Joby and the two companies seek to achieve mass production of the eVitol while uh, applying Toyota's expertise in manufacturing quality and cost controls. Joby is a California-based aerospace company building small vertical lift aircraft envisaged as air taxis. The partnership with Toyota builds on previous collaborations and the two companies aim to realize mobility for all with a seamlessly integrated air-to-ground mobility network. Joby and Toyota first announced their partnerships in January 2020 and the car maker invested $394 million in Joby at the time. Earlier this week, Joby disclosed that a £55 million extension to its contract with the Air Force to deliver and operate up to nine of its yet-to-be-certified aircraft, bringing the value of the contract to $131 million. Um, Now, uh, Carlos, I'm just intrigued to know... um, so apparently, so apparently we did something very similar. So uh, episode four one seven, where Toyota and Embraer uh, had a sort of similar deal. So they're obviously trying to sort of get their sort of toe in the market, I guess, for want of a better word. Um, but uh, I think, I think, as you said here in the notes, Carlos, it's like you know we're seeing more and more aircraft airframe manufacturers pair with car manufacturers to help with improving efficiency and mass production. And of course, that's the one thing that the car industry has absolutely nailed hasn't it where they're producing very technical units from start to finish in less than two days because of the way their production line has all been put together i mean i i guess if you could apply that same those same skills if you like to spitting out a let's say a boeing 737-800 um for example um could that you know you could be making you could be turning aircraft out a lot faster you could be, yeah. I mean, when you look at the car manufacturers now, I mean, I know they're a bit few and far between here because uh, yes, so yeah. many places seem to be uh, shutting down. But, you know, they, they can produce, mass produce mm. these things at a phenomenal rate when they are going. But yeah. so, um, 
Not saying that the aviate, you know, the airline manufacturers can't either. But no, no, no. There no. are a lot of kind of similarities between the two industries, whether it be you know car manufacturing or or aircraft manufacturing. Um, and I know we were talking about jobs and stuff earlier before, but of course the one thing that the car industry has been very good about is automation and yes. you know being able to sort of spit out these cars with almost no human interaction at all. Um, trying to do that. I mean, obviously with with something like a much bigger aircraft, you know, then you know how feasible would that be given the robots and everything that would be involved but do you think we are finally gearing up to end up with these evatol vehicles that, that, that i mean we've been doing stories about them for years where you know you end up with like little personal um you know essentially drones that you can sit in uh, do you think we're nearly there then especially if someone like toyota is now investing heavily well, when you see the ads of Toyota, they're very, you know, when you see these ads, they are quite kind of futuristic, aren't they, some of the ads yeah. that Toyota do put out. Uh, Stephen, what were you going to say? I, I, was, I was just going to say, I would, I'd like to see an eVTOL signed off by the FAA, because I've yet to see one. I see uh, all these yeah, images. Yeah. I, I see so many designs. I see so many, oh, we're going to use them. We're going to use them to take you here to here. Okay. Well, is one signed off by the, the FAA? Have they been blessed to operate? What's the pilot requirements? I, I, I I've seen nothing. Very. I mean, I've point. seen I've seen experimental and test stuff, but I haven't been one that says you are blessed to go forth and move people about the country. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then, so I'll believe it when I see it. For Toyota, though, um, I will say, inside of manufacturing, even when I worked at Lockheed, people rave about toyota and the level of which they manufacture their cars with so much precision and automation it that it's unreal how much they their model is applied to different things and manufacturing processes mm. and with you know the thing about aircraft manufacturing is while it's extremely similar to the way you produce a car there's so many smaller minute detailed things that need a human touch that you know they're trying to make it to where it's robotic and everything you know like you know doing all the riveting and everything uh running uh, electrical bundles through the aircraft i mm -hmm. mean there's just so many processes and stuff that you you want to automate but you can't really do it because um the technology for the automation hasn't been developed yet to do it um, but then but, maybe, you know, maybe people like, you know, Toyota who are familiar with this in the commercial, you know, like commercial cars if, and stuff, they're yeah, the right people if, to be partnering with, aren't they? If anybody's going to do it, it's going to be a Toyota. Absolutely. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. We'll hear more on this. In oh, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Stephen, you have got the next story, and uh, this is quite good for you, actually. We'll see what your thoughts are on this uh, about, uh, well, Remote control, the pilotless taxiing. More robots are taking over. Um, so this one comes from Flight Global. Um, it says Air India has announced plans to use pilot-controlled tow tractors called taxi bots for Airbus 320 maneuvering through Delhi in is that Bengaluru Airport? Yes. Okay. This move is part of the airline strategy to reduce the emissions and save fuel. The tow barless vehicles controlled by the pilot as if using nose gear could save up to 15,000 tons of fuel over three years. Air India has publicly demonstrated the system almost four years ago and will now use it on, or excuse me, use it in cooperation with the local airport technology 
consultory KSU Aviation, which promotes the TaxiBot capability. And there's an excerpt from the TaxiBot website that says the TaxiBot semi-robotic pilot-controlled towing aircraft undercarriage system. The aircraft tows the aircraft close to the takeoff point without engine without running engines. This process will be steered by the pilot. It can do pushback operations performed by the taxi bot operator, aka the pilot. Uh, intermediate taxiing after pushing, eliminating bottlenecks in the gate area. Taxiing with engines stopped. Engines start shortly before takeoff with respect to required warm-up time. Pilot is in control at all times after pushback. Using the airplane tiller and brake pedals, um, and then taxiing speed at 23 knots, same as current airplane taxi speed. Okay, I guess they talked to Southwest about this. Um, uh, a proprietary taxi bot aircraft uh, nose landing or interface mechanism provides pilot steering capability using the airplane's existing controls in the cockpit. Taxiing speed is controlled by the pilot using the aircraft brakes. The taxi bot system provides the pilot with the same handling characteristics of taxiing with engines. In most cases, no modifications to the aircraft is required, and minor, if any, modifications to the airport infrastructure are required. Now, hmm. I thought that you guys have got, have got enough going on on the flight deck. When... That's what I was kind of thinking, too. Can you pop that picture back up, Matt? I, yeah, of course. I, I didn't, yeah, absolutely. I, I didn't yeah. see it. I, I kind of want to take a look because it's saying there's no extensive modification, but it's saying it's using the aircraft's existing controls to... Um... Yeah, I, I mean... It's... Okay, so it, it, it's, a, it's a tug? I think or... so. As long as it's the right... I mean, it's the picture... Um, it seems to be the only one. I did have a quick thumb through the website. Okay. It's the only one that seems to sort of give like an indication of what this unit is. So it's obviously sort of. Uh, I mean, we're familiar with tugs, aren't we? Where they'll basically pick up the nose gear and drag, yeah, essentially, yeah. won't they? Um, although I must admit that particular picture does have somebody in the cab driving it. So yeah, I wonder if that's the right noticed. one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let me let, have a have a so, chat amongst yourselves. I'll see if I can yeah. find something. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I'm, I'm clicking through through there too, and I can't refine really it. But so. I I like the idea of not having to run engines to mm. get out to where you're going. Uh, it obviously saves fuel, which saves money, which saves maintenance cost on the engines because they're not running. Um, I I just I don't know about the pilot being controlled using the aircraft's own control system. That just seems a little. I don't know how you can't modify the airplane to where you don't have to have anything signed off. I feel like regulators would want to sign off on that because it's, it's a system that requires some kind of maintenance procedure in case it malfunctions or what happens if it does malfunction and it takes you into um, another aircraft so then you get into insurance liability and whatnot so th this is um, this is the tug by the way it, it, it is okay. the one that we were looking at a moment ago it can be controlled from the cab but it, essentially you can then you can remote control it as well Okay, so so I mean, other people are using it then, which is great. Okay, so they've proven the concept and it works. But mm. from for my just pilot brain here, and the places that I taxi around at, where does the tug go after it gets done, and how does the tug communicate with ATC to get to where it needs to go to get back? Because for instance, in Atlanta, when you get down to the end of the runway, generally there's nowhere else to turn off. You either get on the runway or you. You know, you, that's it. You don't really have another option to turn back once you get to that point. I mean, are, so you, are get... you summon summonsing this tug to come get you, or is somebody driving <laughs> it, it out to I, you? In well, which it, case, 
you've already got the person sitting in the blooming cab in the first place. I mean, <laughs> are you making the pilot? Are you making the I, pilot steer it for no other reason than because it then becomes I, their problem if they crash it I, rather yeah. than something else? <laughs> it, exactly. So. And then it said it's after pushback. So somebody's pushing you back with it, and then yeah. they like push a button, and then you go drive it yourself. Yeah. I, but he's already there. That, he's already yeah. there. Shit, he's there. So he or she is already pay. there. Like, why does why does why does the why can't the pilot just sit back for a minute? He's just flown from wherever the heck it is that he's come from. <laughs> you know, he could probably do with a coffee. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I don't understand this concept. But I've seen it in Australia where they've actually got a robot tug. So it it basically comes to the nose gear, lifts up the plane, and the ramper will remotely pilot the plane during pushback. Now, this concept I like better because if you think about it, if you could somehow integrate it into ATC and let ATC say, oh, okay, this plane needs to go to this runway, you punch in how you want it to go, and it takes takes the plane out to where you want to go, and then the pilots can start up when they're ready or whatnot. And then once it gets done, it just lets the plane go when they're ready, and then it just, you know, finds its way back. Mm-hmm. That concept I like a lot better. This one I just I don't. It's such a big tug, and there's, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm missing something about how it works with the aircraft, but I just I don't see how you can have the pilot use its own controls to do it. It's just. I don't know. It seems a little odd to me. So there's. There, I'm just going to whiz through, Carlos. I know. I know we're massively over on time, but I'm going to whiz through some. There's some no, great no comments. Yeah, there's some great com- comments in the chat room here, which I really want to highlight. Um, uh, we'll start with. Uh, so Dirk, actually, uh, this may be something that you can answer for us. Uh, to be fair, Stephen, uh, Dirk S is actually asking in the chat. Oh, go! It's broken. Bear with me. Sorry. Uh, he's uh, Dirk's actually asking in the chat room. How long do, do jet engines take to warm up? Guess this thing would be a nice idea for two-hour taxi airports like JF, JFK. <laughs> so, I suppose that's something. <laughs> yeah, the the Phenom is. It, it only takes about a minute to mm-hmm. warm up and get going the challenger took two minutes and then the crj i believe it needed two minutes as well right and then i i think just from random talking to people the new uh c series with the geared turbo fan i believe they need five minutes Gosh, to okay. spool up and be ready for use so yeah okay uh main man micah the legend that is hello micah nice to have you with us as always uh he's saying there's been many ideas like this that have been demonstrated or talked about for several decades now nothing seems to ever come about it and that is true i mean we've read stories uh, like this for for a lot of the time as i say and i still can't it appears that you still have to bring the uh, the tug out if you like to to the person in the first place so why can't that person then bring bring uh, bring the tug back if you like uh you know or bring the aircraft back with it um it's uh neil lamorne is saying uh with all the extra machinery and automation needed is there any actual saving over a real human i think i'm kind of with you on that one uh to be honest with you neil and i think that's kind of my point um and uh, uh, captain cruz is actually saying you should go and see visit a container terminal in a port where containers are moved around by driverless vehicles i mean it's just uh <laughs> It just seems utterly, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like a really cool thing. Captain Cruz has also said, by the way, he said, "Come on, uh, we need, it's like the vacuum ro- ro- robot guys be more open-minded." Uh- <laughs> I, uh, 
Uh, and I'll just throw in real quick. I found their brochure, and it is certified by EASA, the FAA, oh, okay. for the 320 and the 737. And you only have to do a 45-minute computer-based training to be signed no. off on Oh, it. good Lord. Right. Because we know <laughs> okay. that you know that's how you learn. Yeah. Lee Davis is saying, can you imagine all these trucks busy going off everywhere? Uh, yeah, indeed. Uh, I don't know. Again, this is another thing for me. Like, let's not remove all the humans. I like humans. No, I don't like humans. But you know what I mean. <laughs> I, like, I like them in places where they're where safety critical. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> oh, I love uh, Right, moving on to the next story. And uh, this is something I think most of our listeners would probably love to happen to them. Uh, it comes to us from MoneyWeb. Funnily enough, MoneyWeb.com. You'll see why I'm laughing in a minute when I read the headline. Uh, airline cancels passengers' £10,000 business class ticket sold in error for $300. Ooh, fuming. So, opportunity. <laughs> I'd like to hear your thoughts on this because I always thought that if something's anyway, we'll yeah, agreed. Opportunist yeah, yeah. jumped on the mistake with one snagging a round trip first class flight from Jakarta to the Caribbean for eight hundred and ninety dollars. Yes, please. <laughs> ANA Holdings cancelled the flight tickets that were sold in error at a fraction of their usual prices last week, avoiding a hit to its finances but disappointing customers who snapped up premium seats ultra cheaply. Airfares, including for first-class spots that usually cost thousands of dollars, were listed at deep discounts following a currency conversion error on ANA's Vietnam website. Opportunists jumped on the mistake with one snagging uh, that round trip uh, from Jakarta uh, for $890, or so he thought. The ANA said the flights would be cancelled and everyone would be refunded, they said. Uh, the currency conversion error was related to a technical issue in the fair quote system provided by Amadeus IT Group SA. They said they'd taken advantage of a few amazing fares, said Omar, Nebraska-based Lucas Corbett, who spent $2,168 on four business class return tickets wow. from Jakarta to the US. Uh, would have loved to take in the family, he said. Uh, it's disappointing they didn't honour it. An Amadeus spokesperson confirmed that a technical error relating to currency conversion temporarily led, in some instances, to incorrect pricing being displayed uh, for specific cabin classes for ANA. Amadeus said it had fixed the issue, and for the flights which were erroneously processed, ANA will cancel and fully refund all the itineraries. The Japanese airline said in a statement on Tuesday this week that ANA will notify each customer affected by the error. Affected? You're not affected. You're loving it. <laughs> affected by the error. We sincerely apologise for the inconvenience and appreciate your cooperation in communicating with us, they said. Keith Fan also he paid $354 for a return Jakarta New York ticket in business class. Lovely. He said he was disappointed that INA had left people in the dark for a week without any communication. Now, so I, so I, in answer to your question, Carlos, I've got a, I know where you're going to go with this. I, I know immediately where you're going to go with this. Uh, now, uh, weirdly, uh, I was very lucky this week uh, on Sunday, just gone. I had the opportunity to catch up with our wonderful producer, John. And actually, we were having a conversation about this over dinner. And what I'm pleased to say, well, essentially what he said is if you look at the terms and conditions of virtually, he didn't say it's necessarily across the board, but it's pretty much across the board 
if you look at the terms and conditions, there is a whole paragraph in there all about uh, uh, they had the right essentially to cancel any flight regardless of when it was booked, etc., etc. So (laughs) there is, they have been, mainly because I think there was a time where that that clause, if you like, wasn't in the terms and conditions, and so they were obliged in law to honour it. Um, But unfortunately, um, as I say, and John did say it wasn't like across the board, but it's pretty much across the board that you might get lucky and you might find a, a term and condition. I I do feel like perhaps ANA as a goodwill gesture could have perhaps, you know, still given them the flights not as cheaply as they were, but maybe you know still heavily discounted, but not so heavily discounted that it was going to bankrupt the company essentially, which I think is a little bit of what the problem is there. So I, uh, it, you know, could it have been handled better by ANA? Absolutely, one hundred percent. But in their defence, it is clearly stated in their terms and conditions that they I think they don't just, have to honour these things. That's just a pathetic jail free clause that they put in there. Well, it's I strongly believe that if you advertise something at a price, then you should honour that price, especially if it's in in bold yeah. letters on the screen in front of you. But that's yeah, just... as, l- as long as they can prove that it wasn't done on purpose and that it was uh, a technical or administrative error, then they can they can cancel it. What do you think, uh, Stephen? Would you jump at the uh, the chance of these flights? <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely. I would love to take advantage of a computer screwing up. It, it's, it's, it would be great, right. and I, I, I think a lot of pe- people have yeah, over yeah, the years, yeah. and that's why that clause is in there now. Yeah, is to yeah. Take care of that, but I, I just throw into um, people also take advantage of the airlines when they do those little hacker fairs before you like you'll connect through a city to get to where you're going just to save like a couple hundred dollars, and you know they're they're cracking down on that too. People doing that type of ticket booking as well so just in case anybody gets any ideas yeah exactly and it's uh, uh captain cruz is actually saying it won't he's sort of saying you basically they should honor it really he's saying it won't do any damage as these people are not frequent flyers um you know and i mean let's be honest all, all the stuff that they're going to shove uh, on social media would probably be far more effective than any advert or anything like that that they could have spent a small fortune on uh, or even a safety video <laughs> um oh. like <laughs> controversial um but i guess you know i mean i guess it would i mean it, it, perhaps it was a very very high number of people who'd managed to grab these bargain um, tickets which is why they didn't honour them perhaps but if it had only been a handful of people they probably would have done to be honest but uh, yeah mm. see how we oh, go well. yeah <laughs> yeah indeed see how we go yeah see how we go I'd, I'd, I'd love I'd love to get that that um, that yeah uh, kind of price fair but I, what do you know I'll tell you what they, what they should have done was obviously there weren't millions of people got this cheap fare there was probably yeah. only a handful of people it would have been an excellent PR um, thing for them just to have said, tell you what, yeah, we made a mistake. You can have those flights for that price. Make a big song and dance about it online, social media, blah, blah, blah. It's good good for the airline. You know, make, you know, obviously, it's not good because they lose a bit of money, but they, you know, it's good PR for the airline. Makes them look like marvellous people. In my yeah, opinion. agreed, agreed. Anyway, moving... A PR disaster. <laughs> a P- no. Yeah. 
Moving on, Matt. You've got... This is great news. This next story. I found this one um, today. Was it today? I think I put this one in today. Um, excellent news for anyone living in the UK who wants to become a commercial airline pilot. Awesome. OK. All right. So it's Lanx.live uh, is the source for this one. And the headline is EasyJet launches search for 200 new pilots and anyone can apply. EasyJet is look. Oh, I bet I bet fill in the forms, didn't I? EasyJet is looking for 200 aspiring pilots, and anyone can apply. The airline provider has reopened its Generation EasyJet pilot training program for 2023 intake, and applications are now open. It is delivered in partnership with CAE and provides aspiring airline pilots with training to become qualified commercial pilots in around two years. A cohort of cadet pilots select when the program reopened in January 2022 is already in training. Applications are now being accepted for programs beginning in December 2023 and graduating 2026. Over the next five years, more than a thousand new pilots are expected to join EasyJet. The airline said it it is encouraged those from diverse backgrounds to consider applying, including having focus on driving more female pilots, Bristol Live reports. EasyJet has pledged its support to CAA Women in Flight, providing one European candidate access to their first employment opportunity CAE funds and provides pilot training for the successful candidate at one of CAE's uh, aviation academies. The successful recipient becomes a CAE woman in flight ambassador encouraging more girls and women to consider a career in aviation by dreaming big and having no limits. Captain David Morgan Chief Operating Officer for EasyJet said we are delighted to have opened applications for this year's Generation EasyJet Pilot Training Scheme 2023 as part of our plan to recruit and train 1,000 new pilots by 2027, ensuring that we attract a diverse pipeline of people to join us and uh, and uh, that sorry and that they will thrive as part of the EasyJet team is crucial and so it remains a priority for us to challenge gendered stereotypes of the career to encourage more women to choose a career as a pilot now I have to say it's probably one of the worst articles I think I've ever read in terms of its grammar punctuation uh, and that kind of thing it's been not a brilliant so I'm going to leave it there uh, because it, it's getting worse um, yeah but to, to, to so, the bottom though it does say apply if you want to reply to yes the generation easy jet pilot thing yeah okay so to apply to the generate easy uh, to the generation easy jet pilot training program aspiring pilots will need to be aged 18 or over by the time they begin training and will need to provide certificates that demonstrate that they have passed high school secondary school exams oh. For maths, English, or any science, along with two other subjects. No, no higher qualifications or degrees are required. The Generation EasyJet pilot training program is now open for aspiring pilots to apply at becomeapilot.easyjet.com. So I know we've said this before. Um, the thing that bothers me the most about this, and they did mention, you know, scholarships if you tick certain boxes. Um, and um, we absolutely need to be driving more women into aviation. I totally get that. But I do feel that it should be, if you want talented people to come and fly for you, what you need to do, because it is 
terrifyingly expensive to become oh, a commercial yeah. aviation pilot. And if you want to find yourself the creme de la creme, you need to fund this for them. Because essentially what it becomes is jobs for the rich people. Yeah. I'm, I'm and that's that. my issue and and what's so frustrating about and no uh, and i don't get me wrong i get why airlines do it margins are tight and all that kind of thing but if there really is such a huge pilot shortage going on out there i do feel the airlines could do more i genuinely feel like that you know there are I know of people who are very, very talented pilots. I think, um, Carlos, you've met him, my friend. I'm just going to quickly dip the microphone just so you know who I'm talking about because I don't know whether I'm allowed to speak about it on air. Yeah. So, yeah, Carlos is nodding. He knows who I mean. Now, this particular guy went right the way through. He was, uh, he'd basically mortgaged himself up to the hilt to try and become a commercial pilot. There was a, a, a situation change and, to be honest with you, a bit of tragedy in his family that meant, essentially, he ran out of money before he could complete all of the bits and pieces because of the time because it was like I think it was a two year window that you had to get certain things done and because of a family tragedy and having to sort of you know focus on other things for a little while a very in my honest opinion one of the nicest and most talented people who would have been an incredible pilot ended up basically not completing the dream purely because he ran out of money yeah. and there are so many people out there who i think you know of all genders all skill levels there are there are amazing pilots out there who can't do it because they cannot afford the huge sums of money required to be a pilot now i Obviously, unless you live in the US, unless you, well, I don't know. I mean, we've got, we've you still got, have to pay for yeah, it I was going to say, this is, this is, this is kind of where I was going to go with this, uh, Stephen. I mean, obviously, you know, that, that's an example I've given you, like if, you know, from a personal experience of a very dear friend who was literally trying to live his dream. And this, this is the thing for me is like, I do feel that airlines could do more to get talented people in the cockpit. So, I'm going to start by saying that um, training to be an airline pilot is expensive. Yeah. Um, there's there's no two ways about it. You're you're going to spend upwards of probably close to hundred thousand dollars. Several houses go. worth of money sometimes by the time. Well, you, 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 you know, I, yeah. 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 That's the reality, um, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I see these influencers and these pilots on Instagram that have went to these flight schools, they take out the loans to pay for it, and then you make it to the regional, and then you quickly realize you got to pay all that money back. Yeah. And there are scholarships out there for stuff that help pay for that. There's a bunch of different ways you can go about paying for it. You know, a lot of people will become a CFI before they're an airline pilot or a commercial pilot at a charter or whatever or survey pilot like I was mm. to help pay for that training and build your time to get to 1500 hours or a thousand. If you've done the four year program to be an ATP rated pilot to fly at a 121 or, um, 121 carrier, what, whatever you want to do. Um, there, 
there's not a lot of programs out there, these ab initio programs that say that they'll give you money. You got to go look at the terms because you are still going to commit to you will work at whatever CFI school they have for X amount of years to get your time and also pay back the time slash money you borrowed from them to get your training. Mm. Um, so you got to look at those things. And then, you know, if you fail out or you quit, you have to pay them back that money. You, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're tied to that. So you got to realize that yeah. when you start going down this path. And then I know I've, I've been catching up on APG, not to pitch the show, but they've had several people that are afraid to make that jump. Because yeah. I think mostly because they are older and they have a, a family that they've got yeah. to take care commitments. of. Um, commitments. Commitments. It's yeah. a huge commitment. Yeah. You know, it, and I understand that. Mm. I, I completely understand people looking at that way. And I would be the first to say, you know, go for it. Mm. Go do it. And I mean, Whatever your current job is that you're doing, you can come back and find said job. I mean, if, if yeah. I was doing it right now, I could, to you know, if I was to, like, get fired tomorrow, I could go back work at Lockheed. I could go find a project management job. Yeah. I know I'll be okay. If right now you have a good-paying job and it's something that is in a field that's large, you, you know you can get a job again. It might not be what you want to do. You mm -hmm. might not like it, but you can do it. So there's no reason to go – not go try to be a pilot and get your time in. So uh, I, there's that one piece of it. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 yeah, sorry. Yeah, carry on. I, I, then I was going to go into this qualified pilot thing. And yeah. I, I, I'm going to tread lightly because I, I, I know someone that may take it out of context what I'm saying. Okay. D yes, women, th there's no reason why women can't be a pilot. No, no Nothing out there says you can't be. I encourage every woman out there to come be a pilot. Nothing that says that. Where I have an issue is the qualified part and that people are getting hired based on your minority or your your sex or gender. Yeah. And I understand that we are encouraging people to do it. But because you meet a checkbox does not mean that you should be sitting in the right seat or what, whatever position on an aircraft. Yeah. Because I think we've seen the incident in um, Houston. Mm. The guy had multiple checkride failures, and nobody knew anything about it. And then it comes to light after the fact he's killed two other people and crashed the plane into, and, you know, yeah, absolutely. that type of thing. And I think even recently, the same thing came out with the Colgan guy. Mm. You know, he had all these failures. So... I have no problem. Whoever you yeah. are, come work. Be an airline pilot. I, I encourage everybody to come, but be qualified. Yeah. Admit your mistakes. You've had checkride failures. You need to let it be known, mm -hmm. and you need to be qualified at what you're doing and be good at what you're doing. I mean, I, I know for me personally, I I struggled the first couple months at being at SkyWest. Mm -hmm. I've never flown a jet before. I, 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 I knew what I was doing, and mm -hmm. I was blessed to go do it. But that doesn't mean you're good at your job. Oh, absolutely. Way. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You know, you, yeah. you've got to get your experience level up to where you meet the standards of where you're working at. Yeah. And anybody can do that. But if you know as you're going through training and you start to realize, like, maybe this isn't for me, talk to somebody. Mm. Let them encourage you. Let mm. them show you, like, maybe look at it this way. 
Yeah, or, just, or, or maybe find what it is. That. Yeah, sort of find what it is if you like. So if you yeah. are struggling with something, don't yeah. be afraid to reach out and sort of find out. I mean, uh, we've spoken about this on the show loads and loads of times. I mean, and I make I, I try and make a bit light and joke of it. It's just like I I don't care if it's a monkey sitting in the cockpit pressing the buttons as long as they are the most qualified person to be sat there doing it. And we should absolutely be. It, you know, it it shouldn't be gender specific but it should be the you should be 100% qualified and you shouldn't get extra dispensation or um perhaps more chances it, just because of your gender so you should yeah. it, it's got to be a level playing field across the way and i get i get what they I, I get why they're sort of like going down this route because they want to sort of i i, mean, I Tick boxing, tick boxes. I, I feel it's perhaps a bit harsh, but it's like it, I completely get what you're, you're saying. Yeah. The, the thing yeah. for me actually is more about education at grassroots, right back to the beginning. So what you need to do is you need to educate the system to make girls in school want to be an airline pilot. That that's it, it, the thing for me. It's like so. It, it sh you should be made to feel like literally anyone can do it. If that's your passion, regardless of gender, you should absolutely be able to it, do it. And I, I think that applies to just about everything out there. Every there industry. is yeah. There should be no yeah. sigma that says yeah. it, you have to be X, Y, and Z to be to yeah. do this job. It I'm, doesn't matter. I was having a conversation with my mum actually. Uh, this was a while ago actually, and we used to say like, uh, so I'll use the bus driving industry as an example. Uh, if you go back, say 30, 40, 50 years, women weren't bus drivers, but it was purely because yeah. power steering didn't exist. So it was literally a physical issue because of the weight of um like though you know the the weight if you like was the reason why you could because you weren't physically strong enough a lot of the time to be able to do that and that's obviously a totally different argument but in this like you know in this day and age there is literally no reason why um you can't do any of the jobs any yeah. of the jobs regardless of whether it's bus driving or, f or, or flying a plane being a train driver whatever it is that you want to do as i say and that's my thing is like it should absolutely it's all about education it, you need to go back to the grassroots and you need those girls you know well you need the boys and girls everyone needs to feel like it's absolutely a job that they can do and it shouldn't be a job that's seen that only boys can do and that for me is what the problem is if you like is we need to get to that that route we need to sort that out and then i think the rest will come yeah and, and absolutely they all need to feel like they can be a part of this now i, I am going to caveat that let's let's not sugarcoat that the fact these pilots that are coming through these programs with stuff are 23 years old. Mm. They've had, I don't know what their life experiences is, but we got to realize we need these people to have the mindset that you are going to be in control of 50 plus people's lives yeah. when you're in this job. Yeah, yeah. And you, you need, when you set out on this journey, you get need to realize mm. that is what you're working up to. You need to have the mindset that one day you w may or may not be called on to save these people's lives when you have an engine fire or something. And I, I think that's the mm. mentality when you start down this path, that no matter who you are, you have to be able to accept that mm. and be responsible for that job. I was at breakfast yesterday in Salt Lake. There were guys going through training at Sky West mm. that are 22 and a half years old. 
and this could be their first real time real job out out of high school yeah yeah just absolutely. saying just yeah, saying. absolutely. But as it's, you know, it, it is, you know, that 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 you know, we 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 could go over it and over it. There's some great comments in the chat chat room here. Yeah. Actually, uh, just gonna try, Carlos. Do you want to sort of like pick out a few and sort of whiz through? No, I, I was I was just gonna say quickly. You know, there's uh, Matt knows one of my best friends, Mark, who's a HGV driver, has mm. been since we left school when we were seventeen. And got his class one license and drive. He's been driving articulated lorries now. Well, since we since we left school. Yeah. But I was speaking to him actually this week, funnily enough, on this similar subject, and it does ring similar to what we've been chatting about. And it's you know, drivers who are young, who mm. are twenty, early twenties, who are getting their their license to drive these large lorries, and then jumping in straight away are driving on the roads and Matt knows as well as I do yeah, what our yeah. roads are like here in the UK. Yes, they can drive the vehicle, but yeah. that you need to have a huge amount of experience yeah. to cope with what our roads are like here in the UK. It is a it is a tricky one though, isn't it? I mean, you know, I'm the first to put my hands up and say when I first drive started driving coaches, when I just passed my test and I drove a coach for the first time, I don't don't mind admitting I was an awful driver. There's no two ways about it. It's a hundred percent because it's a large vehicle. You've not done a great, you know, I'd probably done maybe two weeks driving prior to me passing my test in the first place. So I really didn't know, you know, everything that I need I need to 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 sort of do. Uh, but there is that tricky situation, and it's the same with any industry, including aviation. The problem is, is you've got to start somewhere, haven't you? You've yep. got to, as, 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 as Stephen, well, and also as Stephen yep. was saying there, like that yep. story is like, you know, when he's first flying for, you know, um, the the airline um, that he's with now, that that you know. You, you it's it's scary stuff when you first do it and it's only something that will come and improve with practice and time and that's the same for everyone regardless of their gender or anything like that anyway we could go on and on about this um it's uh yeah absolutely oh, it's not dear. looking good for the military at this rate is no, it it is not looking good for the military <laughs> i'm afraid tonight now Stephen, uh, we're going to move on to the last story Stephen, and uh, we're, we're going to go on to something a bit lighter uh in, in regards to food Oh, food. Oh, I, I actually, I'm hungry. I need to eat something. Anyway, yeah. uh, food. <laughs> um, this comes from Simple Flying. Uh, British Airways launches a new menu on its Euroflyer subsidiary. As the airline gears up for a busy summer, British Airways has moved to enhance the catering offering on board the short-haul Euroflyer flights out of London Gatwick. A key part of this initiative is the new ability for passengers to purchase fresh food on the day of their flight rather than having a pre-order such meals. Excuse me. As British Airways explained in a statement released yesterday, the new menu for flights operated by Euroflyer subsidiary is not only more flexible, but also more extensive. For example, it has seen the addition of buy on board options such as falafel wraps and coronation chicken sandwiches by mm. McMillian starred chef and established BA partner Tom Carriage, Tom Stoddart, and uh, your, excuse me, Tom Starts, BA's Euroflyer CEO, stated, We know that some customers want to order items in the moment, so we are delighted to give Euro Travelers customers the option to not only pre-purchase, but also order fresh food during flight. A quick look online shows that new sandwiches and wraps are priced between £420, or excuse me, £4.20 and 480 
Additionally, you can also pay using Avios points with the prices in the is in this range from 600 to 690 points. British Air Airways prim, primarily created the Euroflyer subsidiary in order to compete with low-cost carriers such as EasyJet at London Gatwick. However, its aircraft have retained the club Europe cabins seen on board UK's flag carrier's mainline fleet, meaning that a business seat class option is available. This part of the service will also see changes this summer. And Sauter explains that for those traveling in Club Europe, we have a number of delicious complimentary dishes and drinks for them to select from. We want to, want to set ourselves apart from other carriers at Gatwick. We are the only airline to offer a business class product that can excuse me, offer a business class product on every flight and a loyalty program. Coupled with competitive fares, we have something to suit all holiday makers. Um, well, I guess that's nice that you have additional food options. Um, I'm not too sure about the point to pound value there. Um, it does seem but a bit I know, expensive, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I, I was sitting there trying to do the math in my head. I think if yeah. that was Sky Miles points, that's close to... Um, Let's, let's see, about ten dollars. Oh, so that's I, right. I, okay. I, yeah. I, I guess that's kind of close, but I, I think I would save my points for something else. Yeah, so I then... think so. Like maybe a flight, even. <laughs> like, so yeah, exactly. Every, everyone knows, Stephen, that you pilots get the best food anyway on the flight deck. I'll make this rabbit hole quickly. Since I started corporate flying, my catering is extremely. One end or the other, like it's oh, either it? one extreme it's, to the other. Yeah. It's really good, or you it's, don't even know what yeah, you're you eating. Don't, you don't. Yeah, you just yeah. think I. I will save myself the job and put it straight down the toilet. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I shall exactly. cut out the middleman, as it were. Uh, <laughs> but you, you, you know, I mean, I don't know how much it costs for a sandwich or whatever at Gatwick, but yeah. I, I feel like you get better quality food in the airport. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I, we are quite lucky, really, here. Are we? I suppose because most of us, I don't, Carlos, I'm probably, I don't know if you agree with me on this one, but because actually most of us fly usually in the UK from a major hub of some description. So, I, I mean, in, in the States, it's very common for you to start with a regional airport, which is probably where you do most of your waiting time before you then transition to like a major hub and then out. Yeah. Therefore, you're not. You, if you like, because you're already in the system, therefore you're not necessarily having access to some of the... I'm sure there's great food available in US airports as well, but because you started in a regional airport and you're transitioning, if you like, you may not necessarily... I don't really know how it works. I mean, I know, I know when I did... Um, uh, when we went out to the States for... When we went to Pittsburgh, um, Carlos, it was... Mm. Um, because uh, you were with um, you United? flew out with uh, Air, I was with United. Carlos oh, okay. was flying out with Air um, Canada. Air Canada. Um, but with United, in my case, you actually didn't go anywhere near the major, like the terminal, because you were like through this like little transition bit. Um, yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? It's not transition. It's something like that, though, isn't it? Where you transit. Transit. Yeah. So you you go through like a separate transit part yeah. of the airport to then go on to somewhere else. And and as I say here, most of us we start the we start at the major hub, and then there might be a transition if you're going on to say a more rural part of yeah. the states, for example. So, in my experience, most 
major hubs in the U.S. have chain restaurants from the U.S. Okay, yeah. so like you kind of know, yeah. You, you, yeah, you know, you know what you're getting. Yeah. The smaller airports may have local chains, or they might have contract restaurants. So basically, the food's made off-site, and they bring it in, and you can buy it. You know, it's like to-go to sandwiches and stuff. But uh, I, I don't know. It's just. I, I, it's a very hit or miss. And then yeah. the price tag of stuff, I, I, it's gotten really bad. I think I paid, how much did I pay the other day in Newark? I think it was almost $20 for a sandwich. Wow, and oh, gosh. Crisp and a, and a bottle of water. <laughs> was that caviar? Yeah. <laughs> caviar no, sandwich, was it? It wasn't. Yeah. It, no. <laughs> no, so. indeed. Well, never mind. I, I, the thing right. is, we always love to eat when we're in airports, don't we? So this is the you problem. Love to so eat. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. This is the thing. I'm just, just now, grabbing my hat. Are you? Okay. Now, we do have a... Because uh, we <laughs> uh, we do have somebody else on the call now, I believe, Carlos. Have you, have we you, do. You have let them in. So um, uh, what, what shall we just run long and be done with it? What do you reckon? I don't I've know. got nothing going on. No, okay, all right then. I think we should just probably do something because I, I think I think somebody just realised what we were about to do. Because despite <laughs> despite Captain Al not being here, look somehow at his face. Look at his somehow face. we've overrun so massively that we're about to cancel the uh, military. And it would appear now that Ooh, Armando space. is so horrified that wherever it is, wherever it is in the world he is right now, he's had to jump on. He's had to jump on the call immediately. <laughs> You know, in all honesty, I have I have not watched the show. I haven't been tracking it. I have no idea. I did figure out what you guys are talking about now. Uh, it it's, is. We are five minutes from the end, my friend, and basically no, no, no. we haven't even got to the it is, it is perfectly fine. We will tackle all of these things next week. Okay, very good. I had a frantic text from Stephen Ivey, and I didn't know that Stephen was on the, on the show. I thought it was going to be Al. And, yeah. I, and Stephen texted me saying, hey, you know what these guys are about to do? Yes. Uh, yeah, he's about to, they're about to cancel the military. I mean, Nev's delighted. I'm just saying. I landed, <laughs> I landed the cub in the middle of a field somewhere. <laughs> Just so I could get an Uber <laughs> yeah, close to my house. So that's it. That's it. I'm just like... <laughs> no, I kid, I kid. Uh, we'll talk about all the military stuff next week. Uh, okay. There are some good stories in there. But... Oh, oh, right, dear. okay. Competition. Let's get the competition done this week because we need to pull a name out of the hat oh, for this uh, yeah. here. Um, book competition. Now we obviously was giving away a book each week. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Bounds has obviously dialed in as well, by the way, because he's controlling the graphics and stuff, and he's just popped up oh. a little message. Next week, oh, how disappointing. I was thinking next year. <laughs> See, this is great. I, I, I'm going to ignore the statement, and I'm just going to say, this is proof of how much we care about this show, that all of us are actually watching yeah yeah, yeah. Watch. Absolutely. Yeah, we're yeah. all being monitored from great distance absolutely can't get away with anything can we yeah. anyway, all, anyway all we need now is john to pop up <laughs> book competition time right gentlemen <laughs> okay sorry so we are we are giving away a book each week well apart from this week because nev's not here and we haven't got that bit sorted out yet but we're giving away a book which we um had set a question for last week on the show uh, the question we set was to win the Harrier Boys book, which is this week's book we are giving away. And the question we set was... Actually, we're going to play a quick video, actually. Are we? 
Because the oh, question yes. we set, yeah, yeah, the yeah. question we set was: in 2002, a Harrier jump jet ended up taking a dip in the North Sea at an air display. Uh, but off what town's beach did this event happen? So, Matt, if you play the video of the particular aircraft, here we go. Uh, for those of you watching in the world of YouTube, you can see the Harrier there uh, over the beach here at this particular seaside town. And uh, he's uh, he was at the time doing a little hover. Yeah. Uh, See now, I I said this. I was actually on this. Beach have at you the seen this, Armando? Have you actually seen this, Armando? No, I don't think I have. So if you watch the video, he was yeah. hovering. Now, obviously, Matt's got the volume turned down, but there was a distinct engine note change at a, a particular moment in just a second. If you keep watching the video, you'll see the engine note of the aircraft changes, and then. Well, you'll see on the video. So he's hovering there, nice and gently above the water. The crowd are looking on, thinking, I really want to be a Royal Air Force Harrier jump jet pilot. And all of a sudden, it ingests a stray bag of Sausage and chips that were being eaten <laughs> on the beach. No, I don't think it did. There it goes. There, there we go. go. Yeah. Now, it gives you an idea of how long ago it was. What, what was the date on this? 2002. Oh, 2002. Was, yeah. And, of course, you know, it was before um, cameras and stuff. Were so Matt, Matt's going to quickly kind of roll the video. This is when they recovered the, uh, the jet from the, the sea. Matt's just going to quickly pop that up on the screen there. Yeah. And this is when they were doing the recovery process. Now, I think this was not far, I think, off a week after the aircraft went down. Yeah, it wasn't there for long, was it? It they, wasn't there they, for long. Yeah. It was a huge um, crowd, by the way, including myself, who went to actually go, because it was covered very closely on, on Look East, which is our local BBC programme, um, and loads of people uh, went down and were all on the beach watching it being recovered. Um, it, it really was quite the event in the seaside town of Lowestoft. It begs the question, Armando, are the Harriers designed to separate at the nose section from the main part of the... Um, Not the, that I know of. Because if you look, when it comes... So, I mean, what... I mean, because I mean, you saw in the video there how it sort of entered the water. It didn't enter nose-heavy or anything like that. I mean, will it just... Could it have simply just been because of the weight of the water when they're pulling it out? Or would they have had to have perhaps cut it to get the straps on it? I mean, it just seems a bit of an odd... No, I mean, I would say, you know, it started coming down from, Stephen, what would just 300 feet or so? Maybe that. Yeah, so when you, at, at that altitude, water is basically like concrete. Right, so yeah. So it's not exactly soft. Um, no. So <laughs> yeah. it could have happened just when when the momentum of it hitting the water, the, yeah. the nose uh, broke off like that. Could have happened in the recovery. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure, though. Yeah, and, you know, I don't, I don't know where the... the nose gear or the part of that landing gear sits on the Harrier but I think it's a little further forward it might have landed in such a way when it hit it might have snapped off and it just snapped mm. off the rest of the nose too because it's <laughs> you know, tied to the structural part Dirk S is saying Harrier in F-35 submarine mode uh... <laughs> so there we are the uh, recovery video there was so we set the question as I said in 2002 a Harrier jet ended taking a dip in the North Sea mm. uh, an air display but off what beach did this town or did what uh, big town's beach did this event happen as 
me and Matt knew, or Matt knew straight away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did because I was there. Was, That's the thing. It it's was one of the rare ones. I was there. Our most easterly town, I think, isn't it, Matt? It's it uh, Lowestoft. Yeah, yep. The town of Lowestoft. Yeah. And, Technically um, Pakefield, but we'll gloss over that. Well, it's, it's <laughs> Lowestoft Beach. Anyway, so the, 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 as you can probably see on the camera there, the, oh, there's a few people got the uh, question right. Good, so yeah. Well done to you guys and girls out there who put your thing. So I'm going to hold it up here, and I'm going to put my hand in to the hat of joy. A little wild round here. It has got an aviation... It has it is an aviation-themed hack. Can I just of point it out? Yes, of course it is. There you go. You don't do any other, do you? No, I don't do any other at all. Right, so I've got one here in my hand. Oh, oh dear. I've just killed something in the office here. I don't know what it is. <laughs> right. And the winner of the Harrier Boys jet is... Hold up for the camera, if that will zoom in. Hey! Bill! Hey. Bill Aronek, who I think is in, the, in the chat room. room. I think, yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Well done, congratulations. Bill. Congratulations, yeah, Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully well done, Bill. That. Nev will be whisking your book off to you uh, via, uh, probably not via that Harrier, but he'll be uh, no. whisking no. the book <laughs> off to you in there so well done bill well done for winging the book we're going to set another one next week when uh, nev's back on the show we'll get mm. we'll get nev to go through his cavernous pile of books in the <laughs> office and uh, choose one for next week so well done bill uh nev's in the chat room he said he's going to post it out to you tomorrow ah, so, okay yes, Very that good. is service yeah. for you so, uh, yeah, so well, we're going to start to wrap things up, I suppose. But I suppose as you're here, Amanda, we'll have a quick uh, catch-up with you. What you what you been up to? Anything exciting? Uh, well, I picked up the Cub. I, I, in our group chat, we were talking the weather here in the east of the U.S. has just been pretty terrible the last couple of days. And the shop that was in, for, for those of you uh, av actual av geeks, like true av geeks out there, I was replacing the analog instruments in the Cub with, an, with a digital uh, UAvionics AV30C for certified aircraft. Mm -hmm. So we, we threw a couple of those in there. Um, totally solid instrument. And uh, because the shop wasn't open Saturday, Sunday, uh, today was the only time that I could go and have a break in the weather to go pick up the airplane. And even then, it's been so rainy that I couldn't get into my home grass airfield. So I had to go to the regional airport right next to it and and uh, borrow a hangar for the night and I'll move it over in the morning. Um, so that's it. Wow. And uh, Matt, Maddie went with me. I don't know if you guys uh, put the pictures out on the show, but it was... Uh, yeah, keep just chatting. I'll see if I can do that. Hang on. Beautiful uh, little beautiful little day. But otherwise, uh, yeah, just keeping working on the Cub. And uh, man, Stephen, if you come up here when uh, Carlos is here, we're all just going to have to take turns, you know, doing a laps in the cub or something like that. Yeah. Sounds like a plan to me. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Pretty good little airplane. Yeah, indeed. It's, um, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Any, anything else on the itinerary, um, for you, uh, Armando, while we've got you? Well, next week, busy old week, as you like to say, Matt, um, yeah. I'll be, <laughs> I got to fly the Pilatus to Dallas from Charlotte commercial back on American, then I'll take the Hawker up to Minnesota for the night, spend the night, fly the Hawker back to Charlotte, then the fourth day, that Thursday, commercial back to Dallas on American, fly the Pilatus back. So uh, it'll be, yeah, a Pilatus sandwich, I, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, look at that. That's uh, She loves it. Um, That's man, awesome. she, I actually let her fly most of the <gasps> way back. It was, it was only like 20 minutes, but... Um, 
you know, she can't see anything from the back seat. <laughs> no, not quite. No, indeed, so I, yeah. just, I just tell her to look out the sides and, and keep the wings level, and she actually flew better than Captain Jeff did. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, <laughs> oh that's controversial. Jolly good. Uh, <laughs> we love that. And uh, as we're having to literally uh, wrap up, obviously, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us at such short notice. What have you got on your itinerary for next week? Um, I have two more days of work. The plane that I'm currently flying is broken till tomorrow. So I go home. I go home on Sunday. I'm going to go back down to LA, pick up the wife, and then we fly home to Atlanta on Monday afternoon and then uh, have a week of doing nothing. And I am looking forward to it. Very much so. Spending it, no doubt, with this lovely little creature here. This oh, is yes, absolutely. absolutely. The legend that is Maverick, isn't it? That yes. is just like, I, I'm sorry, this is still my favourite picture of all time, by the way. It's a picture of Maverick wrapped up in like a like a snuggle, for want of a better word. Uh, we do have a, a pacifier there as well, but it's basically asleep uh, in what can only be described. Well, I suppose uh, when you're that big, every seat is indeed uh, business class, isn't it? Yes. You can sort of stretch out <laughs> yeah. and all that kind of thing. But uh, no, seriously, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, such Stephen, oh, it's been welcome. an incredible show. It really has, and and uh, yeah, in, in in no small part to you joining us. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, you're welcome. So quick, quick look at the socials before we finish. Then here we go: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Search for us on social media. Plain Talking UK. Don't forget that WhatsApp number: plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. Email the show if you want to send us some feedback. You can as well. Podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. And check out the website as well, all the w's.plaintalkinguk.com, to find out more about us on there. And there's also the links on there to the store where you can purchase yourself a t shirt and a mug if you've not already got one of our military and our civilian normal PTUK mugs. You can get those on there as well. They're all available on there as well as the links to Patreon and PayPal if you want to become a member of the team who support our show each and every single episode. Big thanks to all you guys and girls. And it's part, mostly part, to all our Patreon and PayPal donators is how me and Nev managed to get all the content uh, for the show from the uh, Aviation yeah. Museum. Uh, we didn't have time to run out the video tonight, but we will be running the video out uh, next week on our show on the show the first mm. video from the Can't National wait. Aviation Museum of Flight over in Edinburgh in Scotland so that is about it then big thanks to Stephen as again for joining us tonight thanks to Armando for uh, for joining us as well briefly at the end there and also thanks to Matt uh, for doing all the right moves in the studio as always and thanks to all the team uh, for putting the show together this week thanks to everyone involved and also not forgetting a big thanks to all our youtube viewers who have been tuning in tonight watching the show chat room has been on fire tonight well really done has. Yeah, well absolutely. done you guys and girls and so that's it i can say if you're listening uh, to the audio version then search for plain talking uk on youtube if you've got nothing doing with your friday night let's be honest telly's rubbish why not it join is. us why not join us instead and talk aviation so from me here in the home studio, from Matt in the PTUK Master Suite Studios, from our awesome guest Stephen over in his home studios, and from Armando, who's wearing a stunning shirt this evening in his studios. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next Friday. Say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>